The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at tntradio.live. You're listening to The Steve Malsberg Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, folks, welcome aboard. It's uh, four minutes past the hour of 9 p.m. on Friday night. Yay! Here on the east coast of the United States, you know what day and time it is wherever you are partaking of the Steve Malzberg Show right here on TNT. We have so much to get to. Um, a, a slower news day by comparison, which doesn't make it a non-news day. There's never a non-news day. And I, earlier in the week, you may recall, I promised you some Chris Christie. Well, it turns out Chris Christie um, might be back in the news very soon. And he is kind of in the news again tonight. Uh, and I'll tell you why in a couple of minutes. But I want you to hear a couple of things first. The other day I mentioned, and I've said this periodically because it's, it's, it's been the mantra of the left. And I said, or asked the question, posed the question, what if this was the mantra of the right? And that mantra would be, we need illegal immigrants to come into this country. Who's going to clean the toilets without them? Who's going to pick the crops in the heat without them? Who's going to do the jobs no American wants to do? And I said, if that was the Republicans saying that, now they may think that, but if that was them saying that in defense of illegal immigration coming into the country, racist, racist, xenophobes, thisophobe, thatophobe, but this is something that the Democrats have been saying forever. And, you know, and it's treated as a legitimate statement. It's analyzed. It's discussed on panels. It's a, never called racist. <laughs> of course not. Now, I want you to hear a, a couple of cuts on this particular issue. Told you yesterday that a high school in the borough of Brooklyn, New York, was basically evacuated of students they were told don't come to school why because the weather has been so wet and miserable in new york city and the surrounding area that the illegals sleeping in the park the street whatever they were getting wet soaked cold soaked not a good combination so what do you do you call up the parents or contact the parents of the kids who go to this high school in Brooklyn and you say don't send your kids to school we're going to put the illegals in there that's what it's come to and I have predicted that it would come to eventually it will come to much much worse now I've said that what they're going to start doing is saying, oh, uh, Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Uh, Jones, uh, Mrs. Uh, um, whatever, Mrs. X lives alone in a house with three bedrooms. Why, she, she, she should have to take illegals. We'll pay her. But she should have to take illegals into her house. Now, sounds bizarre, right? It isn't so bizarre because Mayor Eric Adams is not yet there to force people to do that, but he is there at this point ready to 
ask people if they want to house illegal. So that means, that means if you have little kids, you live next door to Mrs. X, Mrs. X answers the ad from the government of New York and says, yeah, pay me. I'll, I'll, take a, I'll take a family of illegals. That family of illegals now lives next door to the family of American citizens with little kids. Oh, yeah. okay. And I'm not going to forget a family of illegals. How about four men? And what do we know about them? Well, probably nothing, just that they need a place to stay. So let's bring them into everybody's neighborhood. As long as somebody's there willing to take them in, if they pay, if the city pays them. I told you, I knew it. It was only a matter of time. So I want you to hear Eric Adams. It's not a long soundbite and it's only one soundbite. But here he was uh, talking about, you know, because of the fact that he he kept the kids home from school in, in the high school in Brooklyn put the illegals in there. Parents and people are outraged. And here's what he had to say. This is how he uh, he sees the future, kind of. 155. It is my vision uh, to take the next step to this, to go to the faith-based uh, locales, and then move to uh, private residents. Uh, there are residents who are suffering right now because of economic challenges. They have spare rooms. Uh, they have locales. And if we can find a way to get over the 30-day rule and other rules that government has in, in its place, we can take that $4.2 billion, $4.3 it may be now, that we potentially have to spend, and we can put it back in the pockets of everyday New Yorkers, everyday houses of worship, instead of putting it in the pockets of corporations. <laughs> here they come that's right here they come you may not in new york city be you know take this offer you may say what are you kidding me but your neighbor might and your neighbor here might and your neighbor there might and all of a sudden you have people living in your neighborhood right there who you don't know anything about. You got kids maybe, maybe you don't have kids. Maybe you're a woman, couple of women living together in a, in a whatever, or even a man, who the hell knows? Who are these people? Where do they come from? Are they sick? Do they have a criminal record? You don't know, who the hell knows? But they're now your neighbors. Folks, it's only a matter of time. Mark my words, mark this date, mark what you just heard from uh, the, the mayor of New York City, Eric Adams. It's only a matter of time before this goes from eventually voluntary to whether it's a year, two years, three years, five years, you'll laugh at voluntary. It'll be mandatory. The government will decide who shall take in illegals. How dare you live in a home that has unused space? You need to be a responsible citizen and help these people. That will be the law. You think it's beyond this radical leftist city council of New York City to, 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 to pass such a law? <laughs> Don't make me laugh. Now, to Jerry Nadler. Jerry Nadler has been in the US Congress, Congressman from New York. I don't remember when he wasn't okay when he ran they combined two districts last time around he survived the challenge they he won 
the race combining two veterans, a, a, a female, I believe Carolyn Maloney, and he ran against each other, was now becoming one district, and he won somehow. Uh, there are those who say he's much worse than Biden when it comes to cognitive ability. And he, look, people age. He has really aged. And God bless him. He's alive. That's the alternative. You know, what's, what's the alternative to, to, to aging? So, but he, I don't think he belongs doing this job anymore. Nonetheless, listen to what the Democrat, the lifelong Democrat, how he justifies illegals coming into this country, how we need illegals to come into this country. And this is... Uh, 167. And we need immigrants in this country. Forget the fact that the farm, that our, our, our vegetables would rot in the ground if, it weren't, if they weren't being picked by many immigrants, many illegal immigrants. The fact is that the birth rate in this country is way below replacement level, which means our population is going to start shrinking. And the ratio of people on Social Security and Medicare is going to increase relative to the number of people supporting them. So therefore, not only should we not stop the illegals, we need more illegals. And why do we need more illegals? Who's going to pick the crops? And he didn't say it, but I've heard it before from these people on the left. Who's going to clean the toilets? Who's going to do all these wonderful jobs? And now we need them, says Cherry Nadler, another revelation, if you will. People aren't having babies anymore. So where are we going to get the population to work to, to, to pay Social Security and Medicare and fund it for those who are going to be going on it? Come on in, illegals. So not only do they not want to stop illegals from coming across the border on the left, they, they, they desire them. We need them. We can't survive as a country without them, is what they're saying, on so many levels, from the fields to the toilet bowls to Social Security and Medicare and every other social program probably that you can imagine. Wow. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to let them talk and let them talk and let them talk. And um, when you talk about letting them talk and let them talk and let them talk and let them talk, uh, it could apply and it should apply. And very often it does apply to um, to Chris Christie. Now, Chris Christie dropped out of the race for the Republican presidential nomination the other day. Uh, there is now talk of him being a member of a unity ticket. There's a group called No Labels. One of the co-founders of No Labels is former Senator Joe Lieberman, Democrat from Connecticut. And he said today that Chris Christie ooh, might make a perfect, a perfect um, participant on the no labels ticket. They've reached out to Chrissy. Supposedly, they haven't all talked. Now, did they talk before he quit? I said, not really jokingly, when he quit, 
Did he already sign the contract with CNN or MSNBC? Does he already have the gig? But maybe he was approached by uh, the no labels people and it's already a, a fait accompli. I don't know. But really, that's the best you could do for a, a, a no labels ticket, a, a middle of the road tickets, quote unquote, you know, no, not Republican, not Democrat, not conservative, not Chris Christie, the blowhard, the loser. Please, please. OK, so I promised you the other day, for those of you who haven't seen it, uh, Chris Christie. One of the reasons I despise Chris Christie. State of New Jersey. Uh, 2012 October it's called a hurricane it was not a hurricane when it came to New Jersey it was a superstorm superstorm Sandy it caused massive destruction massive destruction 40 some odd people from the state of New Jersey were killed billions of dollars in damage people left homeless as it turned out for years so what does Chris Christie do? Three weeks after Superstorm Sandy hit New Jersey, killed those people, left people homeless, destroyed businesses and homes. What did Chris Christie do? Well, if you're a total buffoon, you go on Saturday Night Live and make a mockery of the whole situation. And here he is with Seth Meyers. I don't know how to describe it except Chris Christie being Chris Christie. Here is cut 159. It's been three weeks since Hurricane Sandy hit, and while the danger is past, the cleanup is just beginning. Here now to comment, New Jersey Governor Chris Christie. coming governor well thanks for having me seth so tell us how is cleanup going well so far so good seth but this isn't a job that's going to be done in a couple of days uh, fortunately new jerseyans are known for their patience they are yes they are oh. how many times do i have to say it to you you only said it once once should be enough get the wax out of your ears i'm sorry don't apologize just do it all right i feel like we're getting off on the wrong foot oh. Not at all, Seth. I mean, trust me, this is a totally normal foot for me to get off on with people. I, I mean, I was worried I was going to come out here and get angry with you, but this is nice. Well, good. I, you know, I also think this is nice. Oh, my God. What is this, a first date? All right. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. First of all, it's not, it's, it's, it's really, whoever wrote it, it's, it's not funny, but it's designed to show New Jerseyans as, you know, short-tempered and everything. But again, folks, this isn't just arbitrarily having the governor of New Jersey and doing this kind of skit. And, you know, of course, I'm patient. Didn't you hear me the first time? You know, this is uh, there are people without homes. There are people who just who are buried. They're dead. And this schmuck does this on Saturday Night Live. He goes on Saturday Night Live and this is what he does. Here's cut 160. Look, is there anything while you're here you'd like to say to the people in New Jersey? Oh, well, sure. If I could, Seth, I'd like to thank some people. I'd like to thank the Red Cross and first responders. I'd also like to give a special thanks to my lovely wife, Mary Pat Christie, who's here tonight, who put up with a husband who has smelled like a wet fleece for the past three weeks. Yeah. You have been wearing that fleece a lot. Oh, yeah. It's basically fused to my skin at this point. Yeah. But I have seen you wearing suits. Oh, yeah, but I, I wear them over the fleece. I'm going to die in this fleece. <laughs> but, 
but, but that's okay, it's a good fleece. It is a good fleece. Stop saying things I've already All said. All right, okay. I, I, I'd also like to not thank the following. I, I do not thank any of the stupid mayors who ignored my evacuation orders. You're idiots. And, and when you ignore me, it makes you look like a real Seth Meyers. Oh, come on. I'm talking here. All right. Wow. Wow. Uh, and then one more from this pathetic display of, of uh, I mean, you know, uh, his craving, his need, his need to be the center of attention. To, 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 but he's such a buffoon. He really is a buffoon, as you could tell. As you could tell. I mean, granted, the president of the United States is a higher plateau, but could you imagine like a president doing this after a national disaster? You know, mocking the disaster and the reaction of the people and the country and all that. I mean, it's just it, and the, the fleece that he's wearing. It's bizarre. It's bizarre, uh, but not as bizarre as what you're going to hear here, here, here. H-E-A-R, uh, H-E-R-E. Here's cut 161. I also do not want to thank the reporters that, that put themselves in danger, you know, by walking into the middle of the hurricane with their cameras. We don't need you to tell us there's a hurricane. We have windows. <laughs> And finally, I do not want to thank the people who are getting in screaming matches at gas stations over the long lines. And look, I get it. Screaming at people at gas stations is a New Jersey tradition. But you don't do it during a crisis. There'll be plenty of time for yelling when this is all over. Well, thank you so much for coming. I really appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me, Seth. If I may conclude perhaps with a line from a famous New Jersey poet, everything dies, baby. That's a fact. But everything that dies one day comes back. Put your makeup on. Fix your hair up pretty. And meet me tonight in Atlantic City. If I'm not mistaken, that's Bruce Springsteen? That's, that's, that's right, Seth. I don't know if I'd call him a poet. You're right, he's more of a saint. <laughs> You're right, Governor Chris Christie, everyone. Um, you know. You're going to pick a line from Bruce, Bruce Springsteen's song, and you're going to start with, I mean, this is a line from a song, you know, Meet Me Tonight in Atlantic City, the whole thing, and, you know, Atlantic City, New Jersey, and it's a legitimate song, those were the lines. But, you, again, with people who died three weeks ago in your state, you start with everything dies, baby, that's a fact. What is wrong with him? What is wrong? What would motivate? Well, the quest for attention and fame and whatever else. What a, I mean, I, but buffoon. He's a buffoon. He always was. He still is. How does he, how did he sit there and do that? And then that was, like I said, three weeks after in uh, November, I guess, of, of, of uh, 2012. Let's fast forward, if we might, to October of 2014 where there are still people who have not had their homes rebuilt. Okay? Because the governor's doing such a great job. Still people who are suffering two years later. And you're going to only hear this because uh, I couldn't find the video of it. I tried. I used to have it. I, maybe one day I'll find it. But here uh, he's interrupted at a press conference that he's having, okay, by someone, a, a former po politician, who is taking him to task 
And you don't really hear much from him, but you do hear Christie's response. And what he's saying, the guy is very legitimate. You know, hey, we're still suffering. What the hell's going on here? It's two years. And listen to the buffoon once again. This is 162. We know the governor tried to brush off Jim Keaty, who was holding a sign that said, finish the job. Now, listen, that didn't work so well. I'll be more than happy to have a debate with you anytime you like, guy, because somebody like you who doesn't know a damn thing about what you're talking about, except to stand up and show off when the cameras are here. Leaning into the microphone, pointing his finger off, roll up your sleeves and do something for the people of this state. The former Asbury Park councilman says that hurt. I stopped work for a month. I volunteered in Delmar, the town that I grew up in every day he tried to tell that to christy who finally time, shouted sit down and shut up Ooh, ooh, mr macho mr macho yeah um look what, what it speaks for itself it speaks volumes and this is you know this is this is who he this is his uh his shtick his persona it's probably who he is truth be told i used to like christy I like Christie in uh, when he first ran for governor, he had a series of debates when he was seeking the nomination. He wasn't the, the nominee yet to run against the Democrat. He was seeking the nomination. So his third and final debate took place in my studio on my show at WOR Radio in New York City at the time. And um, they also have a huge lis- listenership in New Jersey. And we had the debate. I was the moderator, the, the whole thing. And then when he became governor, um he came on my show but when i started to criticize him not even to his face uh, the, the, it was harder to get him and then one time he was due to come on after the commercial and i said to the folks i'm going to ask him about whatever it was and i was critical of him in in phrasing the question guess who didn't come on after the commercial they had him on the phone he was in his car oh technical problems and that was it that was it. The buffoon couldn't deal with that. He could tell people to shut up. He could make a mockery of dead people in his state and whatever else, but he can't handle the tough stuff. So that's Chris Christie. And then he had policies that really pissed me off as well. He appointed a, uh, a, a Muslim judge to the state Supreme Court. Not that I object to a Muslim judge, but a Muslim judge who had a past history of kind of making excuses uh, for for Islamic terror in the wake of 9-11. I forget exactly what it was, but there was a lot of talk about it at the time. He didn't care. They wanted to build a mosque on the ground zero. Okay, they called it the ground zero mosque in the news media, and that's how it became. I spoke at a rally against it, along with a lot of other people. When I had Chris Christie on my show and asked him about it, it's not my place to weigh in on that. Really? How many people from New Jersey died on 9-11? Governor, you have no opinion if a mosque should go on ground zero? No opinion, not his place. (laughs) It's his place to say everything else to everyone else, but that's not his place. What a jerk. So anyway, that's me and Chris Christie. That's Chris Christie, more importantly. And uh, if if the no labels people want to put him on the ticket, go ahead. Please just go ahead. All right, we have a lot more to get to, folks. Steve Malsberg, right here on TNT. 
You should hear what Charlie Robinson is talking about. I think once we saw the supply chain issues uh, that happened during the COVID debacle, you go, well, that seems bad for the, you know, when you're fighting somebody for toilet paper, but it could be worse, right? It could be the last can of food. So people are starting to reevaluate and reassess their situations and their relationship with supply chains and the like. And I think what that does is it leads you to a place of saying, how can I make myself less dependent on the system? It's kind of hard to know where to start, right? Where would you suggest we even begin with this process? Yeah, it's funny you said that because someone said to me recently and it made me laugh that this is going to be the kind of collapse where the Burger King's still open. I think that's what's probably lulling people into a false sense of security in that everything when we go to the city kind of appears normal unless you're in one of those really crazy drug adult cities. But for most people, I would say, Charlie, it feels normal, but it ain't normal. (laughs) The world is not normal. It's completely gone off kilter. Sure. Charlie Robinson on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. I'm Cal Fire Battalion Chief Isaac Sanchez. And normally we like to provide you with tips on how to keep yourselves and your family safe during wildfires. But given the historic impacts that the weather has had on our state this year, we would like to provide you with tips on how to keep yourself safe during extreme weather. If you reside in an area susceptible to flooding, please take the necessary steps to prepare to evacuate if advised. Make sure you've identified at least two exit routes out of your neighborhood as one of them may be blocked or flooded. As the weather develops, remember to check in on vulnerable neighbors and family members. They may need additional time to prepare for evacuation. And just like during a wildfire, if you feel unsafe, please evacuate. You don't have to wait for the order to come. Keep an emergency go bag ready in case you need to evacuate. And always remember to plan for the safety of your pets as well. If you must leave, never drive around roadblocks. It can take as little as 12 inches of water to sweep your vehicle away. And always remember the mantra, turn around, don't drown. Be aware of first responders working in highly impacted areas, especially on the roads. For additional safety tips and updates on CAL FIRE activities, follow us on social media or visit fire.ca.gov. Today's News Talk Radio. I do a lot of streaming radio. I do a lot of free streaming. TNTradio.live. All right, folks, welcome back. Uh, we have some breaking news, uh, according to uh, the dailycaller.com, and I'm sure it's elsewhere as well. Uh, the U.S. Uh, has conducted additional, additional strikes on the Houthi link targets in Yemen. This is uh, this evening, my time, our time right now, a little while ago, uh, after the uh, Houthis fired at another commercial uh, vessel earlier in the day. This is according to multiple reports. And these strikes were conducted unilaterally, uh, unlike uh, the strikes uh, previously, which were done in conjunction with, uh, with um, uh, England. So uh, that's where we are. And unlike the barrage on uh, last night, uh, with England uh, on dozens of targets. These uh, strikes by the U.S. were limited to a radar facility, according to the report, um, a radar facility um, that the uh, the Iraq uh, Iran-backed group were using. Uh, this is according to uh, CNN, okay? And um, so that's, that's the deal. Boy, I just again, I'll just say this. I hope that radar facility wasn't on top of a school or a mosque or an apartment building. You know, because if it is, you can't go near it. New rules of war. You can't bomb it. Uh-uh. Okay. Okay, that was, uh, that was number one. Um, number two, oh, the weather, because of what, what, that, uh, that wonderful uh, promo and, and, and 
those wise words of uh, warning about the weather and being cautious, the Iowa caucus is Monday, Eastern time, Monday, 40, uh, you know, two, two days away. And um, the weather is going to be horrific. I mean, blizzard, freezing, snow, bitter. How's that going to affect everything? Now, I've heard it. I've heard two schools of thought. Well, the Trump supporters will stay home because they figure Trump's ahead. On the other hand, I've heard Trump supporters will go through hell and high water to come out and support Trump. So it will affect the Haley, uh, you know, and and um, and DeSantis vote uh, more than it will affect the Trump vote. What will actually happen? If you have any way of knowing, please let me know. And maybe they're doing it, uh, putting some odds out in Vegas and we could all get rich. I don't know. I don't know what to say, but we will see. And we'll, uh, you know, we'll, we'll do our best to cover it uh, as it comes in on, on uh, Monday. And I believe on Monday uh, we have uh, uh, Fort O'Connell. Uh, he will join us. Um, he's been with us many, many times before. Okay. So Peter Ducey, love Peter Ducey, son of Steve Ducey, long time original co-host of uh, uh, Fox and Friends on Fox in the Morning. But Peter, great, great reporter, great White House correspondent, afraid of nothing. And he went at it a little bit with uh, that self-proclaimed historic figure, Karine Jean-Pierre, who is a historic figure because she says so. First, lesbian, female, black. Uh, White House press secretary. Um, anyway, so Joe Biden until tonight was uh, earlier today, I should say, was uh, missing in action. He hadn't been seen in public in uh, about three days. Uh, he was seen in public, like I said earlier today, uh, made a public appearance. But Ducey questioned Karine Jean-Pierre about this, and here is 156. President Biden does not have any events at the White House in the new year, and he's been kept from public view for three full days now. Why? The president had a three-day swing, went to four states uh, in the new year. He went to, uh, just actually, I should say just recently, he went to Pennsylvania Valley Forge where he gave a really impactful, important uh, remarks on our democracy, protecting our democracy. I've, ahead of, uh, on the eve ahead of January 6th. Uh, what we saw in, in 2011 on January 6th was an attack on our democracy. And he went out there and he spoke to the American people. It was very well received. And this is something that he's going to continue to do. He went to, obviously he was in Delaware, and then he went to South Carolina, uh, also gave another uh, impactful speech on our democracy and our freedoms. And then he went to Texas uh, to honor a, uh, a former uh, congresswoman, uh, EBJ, who recently passed away. And he went there to pay his respect. So the president did a three-day a three swing. He went to four states. He's been out there. He's been able to talk directly to the American people. And we think that's really important. He answered the question because the question was, where's he been for the last three days? And she's telling us about what he did, you know, on January 6th, uh, the new year, blah, 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 blah. So uh, uh, Steve, uh, Peter Ducey tries again, cut 157. For the last three days, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, none of his constituents have seen him doing anything. Who decided that the American people are best served by seeing less of the president? I would disagree. I wouldn't say he was, they saw less of the president. He was out there, again, a couple of states 
in, a th in three days. I think that's important to note as well. And be, give, give the American people full, the full information here. And yesterday, we noted this. He met with uh, Paul Whelan's uh, sister, Elizabeth Whelan. And this is a commitment when it comes to American hostages, bringing them home. The president has been committed to doing that. And we have brought home more than 30 people, 30 Americans who have been held hostage uh, across, the, across the globe. And so the president is committed. He wanted to have a conversation with Elizabeth Whalen. He did that. He met with his national security team, as he does regularly. He did that. He had lunch with the vice president uh, yesterday, important partner in everything that he's trying to get done on behalf of the American people. So the president is active. She still hasn't answered the question. I mean, she didn't answer the question. Where was he the last three days? Why wasn't he seen by the public? <laughs> it's just so bizarre. Um, here's 158. There's an item in Axios that President Biden was advised by the White House counsel to stop giving big dollar donors tours of the Oval Office. While he has been out of view of the public for the last three days, has he given any wealthy campaign donors tours of the Oval Office? So, um, just speaking to that particular point, the, those stories that were out there, so as many of your outlets uh, have covered, it is typical. It is typical for all presidents, regardless of party, uh, to host supporters at the White House complex, which is both, as you know, his working, uh, working office as well as his personal uh, uh, residence as well. And President Biden and his team take all of this very seriously. Uh, we take rules uh, concerning the White House and re-election seriously. And so, and we're proud of that. We're proud of taking those rules very seriously. I just don't have anything else to add. <laughs> How many times did she say very seriously in the last five seconds there? Three times? The White House counsel reportedly has advised the president to stop giving private tours to wealthy donors of the White House, you know, private tours of the White House to wealthy donors. That was the question. And well, that was a, a pretext. The question was, has the president given any of those tours during the three days that the public hasn't seen him? Did she answer the question? No. <laughs> Did she say why the council suggest the white house council suggested he stopped doing it no she just said it's very common all presidents did it blah 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 well then why would the white house say uh, council say don't do it and again where was the president for the last three days why did the public not see him and was he giving any of these private tours during those three days those were the questions asked again and again by Mr. Ducey and Corinne Jean-Pierre, because she's a historic figure, self-proclaimed, feels that she doesn't need to answer any of those questions. And guess what? She didn't. She didn't answer. And it's par for the course. What a disgrace. What a real disgrace. Okay. Um, where we go? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. We have another Ducey uh kg kjp uh not confrontation but uh, we'll play it for you anyway a couple of uh, bites here this is peter ducey asking uh about uh this is actually um him asking uh, john kirby i should say not not kareen john kirby the pentagon spokesman who kind of shares the podium at the White House briefings with Karine Jean-Pierre. Reports are they don't like each other, but nonetheless, uh, asking about Lloyd Austin, who, by the way, is still in the hospital. And from what we understand, what, what the Pentagon said tonight, before we knew about the latest round of, of uh, attacks, retaliatory attacks on the Hooties, 
based on the attacks yesterday, they actually said that Lloyd Austin, he's in on all these talks. He's, he's running things from the hospital bed. Really? Okay. I mean, come on. But anyway, so here's the uh, back and forth between Ducey and uh, Kirby. It's 121. Why should we believe anything that this administration tells us about anything ever again? I think we all recognize, and I think the Pentagon has been very, very honest with themselves about uh, the um, the challenge to, to, to credibility by what by what has transpired here, and by what and by uh, uh, how. how how hard it was for them to be fully transparent with the American people. I think we all recognize that. And and wait, wait now, just give me a second now. I, I know you got another one coming here, but but we all recognize that this didn't unfold the way it should have on so many levels. Not just the notification process up the chain of command, but the transparency issue. We all recognize that, and, and I think we all want to make sure we learn from that. I. Uh, it's up to you and your colleagues, and it's up to the American people to determine, you know, how much they're going uh, to ascribe what happened here to our credibility on every single issue. <laughs> Wasn't that a great answer at the beginning? Uh, 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 we, um, um, we, um, <laughs> who is that, Lloyd Austin or John Kirby? Oh, my goodness. I mean, a very legitimate question. And again, all you're getting from the anyone in the administration is, oh, yeah, guess what? Yeah, we screwed up, but uh, we're going to fix it. We're going to take a look at uh, what we need to do better. What you need to do better? Uh, if a head of a department, if a cabinet, if a secretary, if, if, the, if the defense secretary of the United States or any other secretary uh, checks into the hospital, they should tell people? Is that something, is that like a discovery? Did a light just go off over your head? Never thought of that? And by the way, someone should tell the president, not that the president does anything, but someone should tell him. Um, and Lloyd Austin should be, bye-bye, forced to resign. He should be given the ax. How dare he? And we've talked about this now for, uh, for almost a week since we found out that this guy checked into the hospital in an emergency, was in intensive care. Might still be, I don't know. And nobody knew, not even the president of the United States. And we got, we're planning retaliation against the Houthis. We're under attack in Iraq and in the Red Sea. We're supplying Ukraine against Russia. We're telling Israel what to do against, against Hamas and whatnot. And he's in the hospital and doesn't tell anybody? And every, nobody, nobody noticed? Oh, yeah, you know, Peter, we got to do a little better. We're going we're gonna to write rules. <laughs> All right, and there's one more in this uh, back and forth, uh, 122. But in, in every way, Secretary Austin has been an exceptional defense secretary, and he still has the full faith and confidence of the commander-in-chief. Uh, he has led uh, the department at an incredibly dangerous time for uh, our national security interests and those of our allies and partners. But if the administration is going to go to such great lengths to keep secrets about the defense secretary's health, how can anybody be certain? 
that the administration would not go to the same lengths to keep secret problems with President Biden's health in the future. If, if you could logically argue, and you can't, but if you could logically argue that How, the administration- years old? Wait a second. Just give me a second What's here, bub. There? I'll get there. If, if the administration made some sort of Machiavellian effort uh, across the board to, to to keep this from getting public, then I think your question has merit and, and certainly is a fair one. I don't think it's a fair one because that's not what happened here, Peter. What happened here is the Secretary of Defense, uh, for whatever reason, I can't answer the question why, uh, that information wasn't shared. It wasn't shared widely in the department and it worse? certainly wasn't shared with you the agency. It's not, it's not good. It's certainly not good, which is why, again, we want to learn from this. We want to, we want to make sure that it doesn't happen again. We we want to learn from this, bub. <laughs> he called them bub. Then he called them Peter. Oh, man. Yeah, another legitimate question. Why should we ever believe anything you say about the health or, or the well-being of the president of the United States if, if you guys were, were, you know, were, were covering this thing up and not telling anybody and nobody knew? Nobody knew. Oh, well, that's what we're learning from this. We're, we're learning from this. We're just students like you, Peter. We're learning as we go. None of us ever did anything like this before. You know, who knew that a defense secretary in a time of war checks into the hospital is in intensive care? He should tell somebody. Who would think that? But now we know. See, we're willing to learn. The Biden administration's willing to learn and write new rules. Oh, God. <laughs> please, 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 please. Okay, we're going to take a break. You know why? You know why if you're a regular listener or viewer, because we have one final segment left in the hour, and uh, we're going to bring it to you. Steve Malzberg right here on TNT. When the world's endangered animals need help most, when their lives are... We're going to bring it to you. Steve Malzberg right here on TNT. When the world's endangered animals need help most, when their lives are at greatest risk, when they would otherwise be lost. The International Fund for Animal Welfare is there, taking action to rescue the animals we love, to protect them and their threatened natural habitats. But the danger to animals the world over is growing, and the need for your help has never been more urgent. On land, you'll help stop poachers from threatening and killing elephants and big cats for the illegal wildlife trade. In the oceans, you'll help rescue dolphins, whales, and seals from deadly hazards. And you'll help rescue, rehabilitate, and release vulnerable animals when disasters strike. Here at home and around the world, we can't do this work without you. See how you can help animals and people thrive together at joinifall.org. Our beautiful world is changing, withering, dying by the hands of those who don't value nature, even though we all depend on it for life itself. But there is hope. Together with caring friends, the Nature Conservancy can restore our lands and save our wildlife with big solutions only nature can provide. To learn more, visit nature.org today. This is the Steve Malzberg Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, folks, welcome back. And don't forget, you could follow me on Twitter at Steve M. Talk or at Malzberg Show, Facebook.com slash Steve M. Talk, um, Instagram Steve M. Talk. Um, I want you to uh, 
picking up on the Lloyd Austin situation, even a Trump derangement syndrome infested uh, person like Joe Scarborough and those around him understand that what has happened with Lloyd Austin is not good and it's not good for the administration. And I told you, I said it fell from heaven into the hands of Trump and Republicans. It really did, if they know how to make use of it. Uh, So on Morning Joe, uh, the guest was David Ignatius, Washington Post reporter, Washington Post reporter, Washington Post columnist. And um, here's what uh, some of the uh, back and forth sounded like. Here's cut number 163. I've just got to ask, how how does... The general, how does the secretary survive this? Well, I don't see him being fired. Um, Why not? Because uh, Joe Biden likes him and, and basically trusts him. Would any other secretary of defense survive this? Um, he went AWOL for three, four days. He's in the nuclear he, chain of command. He, he, so the problem at the Pentagon in terms of lack of communication didn't begin with the hospitalization of Lloyd Austin. It's been a continuous problem to this administration. He is not a communicator. He is he is a, a person who's really allergic to talking to the media and something like what but happened. But shouldn't somebody in the chat, Mr. President, he's going to be so a, as long a, as you out, had, out of as long as you had three days. Martin. I can't believe that Scarborough is actually saying this. Scarborough, whose brother-in-law works for the president, right? Um, I, I can't believe. Now, Ignatius, you know, oh, it, this didn't start with Lloyd Austin. Really? What other defense secretary uh, or person of a uh, high-ranking Pentagon of defense official of, of great significance, whose name we would all know, and who is vital at a time of war, uh, disappeared without telling anybody? <laughs> Who else? Now, communications within the Pentagon might be poor, but this isn't within the Pentagon. This is the defense secretary not telling anybody. Forget the Pentagon. He didn't tell anybody. I'm in the hospital. He didn't pick up the phone and call the president and say, I'm in the hospital. Uh, it's just un- unreal. So we have another one, uh, 164. Should he leave, fired, or resign? Is this a, a sufficient offense? And obviously, as you say, a, at least a mistake that he should leave? It, it is a violation of, of procedures. It's, it's in character for the way he ran the Pentagon. This should have been addressed in terms of his broad communications long ago before you got to this. I just can't imagine uh, in election year that that he would be dumped now. I, I think it would be also, more he's, trouble than it's he's, worth. He's, the most amazing thing to me was he talked with Biden uh, on Saturday in one-on-one conversation, did not reveal the cancer diagnosis during that conversation. Uh, yeah. So clearly an absence of communication here. And I'm, I mean, the Inspector General report that was just launched by the DOD will answer these questions, but it's fascinating to think that you would not report something of that. It's a real problem. The chain. It's a real problem, I can't imagine, in, in most administrations. Biden has said he won't even accept a yeah. letter of resignation. Well. Biden won't even accept his letter of resignation. Not that he offered it, but he won't, wouldn't even accept it if it were offered.
and he didn't even tell the president before he went missing. Don't forget, he was diagnosed with prostate cancer, then decided to go in for uh, uh, to have the prostate removed. They called that elective surgery before we knew it was prostate cancer. Um, you know, what they you figure elective surgery, what do you have the bags removed from his eyes or something? Anyway, um, he didn't tell the president he had cancer. This is just, this isn't, this isn't even a question. This isn't a question. If a member of the military, the same military that, that Austin oversees disappeared for a couple of hours and got caught, they'd be court-martialed. Why the hell should he not be punished? More trouble than it's worth in an election year? Oh, I think just the opposite. I think if Biden were to show strength, of course, it's too late for that. But if Biden were to, would have shown strength and said, we can't have this. Let me just tell you why it isn't happening, folks. You want to know why it isn't happening? Because he's losing the black vote. Every poll shows Trump way up from the black vote that he got in 2020 against Biden and Biden way down from the black vote that he got against Trump in the 2020 election. And you got black voters dropping off. And if you fire or make a, a, an enemy out of or a, a, um, an example out of the black defense secretary, it won't look good. Now, I don't believe Biden decided this. Barack Obama must have decided this because I believe he's running things. But whoever decided not to punish him, not to accept the resignation, we're going to fix this. If this were a white now, first of all, if this were a Republican, Joe Biden would be first in line, you know, if he weren't president, to be calling for the firing of the defense secretary in a minute. You know it. I know it. Anybody knows it. All the Democrats would. But they're all behind uh, Lloyd Austin because, you know, quite frankly, I'm not saying he doesn't have a, a superb, outstanding, remarkable military record. That doesn't make you a good defense secretary. You could be a great football player, doesn't make you a great coach. But when you, there you go, three boxes checked, he's my man, or he's Barack Obama's man. Maybe it's not worth, uh, and I think that's what Ignatius might have meant. More trouble than it's worth. Continue the conversation with the black voter. Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? Now, more Scarborough. Uh, it really is the place you go if you want Trump as Hitler. Because even though there was a moment of sanity there from Scarborough on Austin, when it comes to Trump, woohoo, woohoo. Uh, here, here's cut number 119. And I just sit there thinking, Charlie, mm. is this what pro democracy newspapers in Bavaria were writing in 1932, 1933, going, you know, if Adolf Hitler gets to power, it's really us pro-democracy newspapers who are to blame for warning people just how dangerous this Hitler character may be. Yeah, I'm sure that uh, Hitler derangement syndrome was a big deal back in 1932. I mean, this is now, it I'm is sure it interesting that you was on right. the air. 
and says on Meet the Press and says, refuses to say she will certify the election, number one, um, and actually defends Donald Trump's use of the term that the immigrants are poisoning the blood of the country, that Hitlerian rhetoric. I mean, can and, you call and, them and Republicans? I, I don't know what you call them, actually, when they're quoting Hitler uh, and they're channeling Hitler. It is, it is so, 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 so dishonest. Trump is channeling Hitler. Trump. Not the, not the Americans on American soil, in the streets of the cities and on campuses and everywhere else that are saying, you know, that are rooting for Hamas, praising Hamas, denying that Hamas did anything wrong um, when they acted as Nazis. That, that's, a, that's not topic of conversation. Trump and his supporters are Hitler. It, again, Trump derangement syndrome is a horrible, horrible disease. Here is uh, cut number uh, 120. He hasn't read anything other than this kind of Hitler theory of the big lie, throw it out there, blame it on somebody, in Hitler's case, the Jews. Howards, uh, who are, are might as well uh, go back and read pro-democracy newspapers apologizing for Adolf Hitler in the early 1930s. These cowards are part of this as well now, where they're saying if you speak out against the tyranny of Donald Trump and what he promises to bring on America, then you are causing the rise of Donald Trump. What would John McCain say? No, and, and, and that is exactly how fascism started uh, being purported and represented in this country. <laughs> When we have to hear Al Sharpton sit in judgment of, of, of people when it comes to race relations and, and racism and, and bigotry and all that kind of stuff, and he starts giving us uh, history lessons on Hitler. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Um, if you want to have some fun. Um, over the weekend, look up Tawana Brawley. Just look up Tawana Brawley and Freddie's Fashion Mart. Just two things I you want to you want to read? Read Freddie's Fashion Mart, Fire, and Tawana Brawley. I'm just saying, look them up. You judge for yourself. I'm not saying. Come on. Well, Sharpton was kind of Tawana Brawley's spokesperson. Freddie's Fashion Mart was burned down. A white-owned business up in Harlem. Uh, Sharpton was never implicated legally or anything else, but there were protests. I believe he was involved in some of the protests up there. Just read it for yourself. Read it for yourself and, and, and see how bizarre and ludicrous it is to listen to Al Sharpton. If you're someone like me who grew up around Al Sharpton, who grew up with you know, hearing about Al Sharpton, seeing Al Sharpton, knowing Al Sharpton to a certain extent, you know, uh, who he was, what he did. Who it, it's just it's just it's it's bizarre world, which is Seinfeld. It comes down to Seinfeld. Like I said, everything comes back to Seinfeld. OK, folks. Um, it's going to be, uh, first of all, have a great weekend. Stay safe and healthy and all that. And God willing, we'll do it again on Monday. The Iowa caucuses will be maybe over or in full swing, 9 p.m. Monday night, Eastern time. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, be here, right here on TNT.